0: Law Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Family Law Talk. Family Law Talk. Presented by Kirk Stange of Stange Law Firm, P.C. Stange Law Firm is a multi-state family law firm. Now, here's your host,
0: Kirk Stange. Welcome to Family Law Talk. We have an interesting topic today. The topic is, why have a revocable trust? And this is based on an article on our blog, familylawheadquarters.com, dated August 26, 2023. And the title of that article is, What's the Advantage of a Revocable Trust? So as a follow-up to the episode today, go on over to familylawheadquarters.com and read more on this topic. But let's go ahead and jump on in. Look, most individuals understand the importance of having a will. Um, When that day arises where they pass and they leave this planet, uh, they understand that their assets uh, need to be passed on to their heirs, and particularly, too, if they have kids, you know, they want to designate who would be the custodians of their kids, particularly if the kids are still minors, and, and how those assets would pass to their kids and their loved ones. And so, you know, most individuals, when they go down this path, they think about a simple will right? I need to have a will drawn up. The will uh, will designate how my assets are going to be divided up. And specific assets could also go to specific people. So it could be set up where somebody has a will and it's kind of split by percentage, so much percentage to one one individual and then another individual. Uh, But it can get as grainy and granular as designating specific assets like specific collectibles or certain household items going to specific people. Okay, the thing is, is when there's a will, uh, after somebody passes, this will has to be submitted to the probate court. And then what the probate court has to do is assess the viability of the will. So out of the gate, they've got to say, does this will meet the legal requirements? And that entails, you know, various requirements. And the laws vary by state, but normally the will's got to be signed. It's got to be signed in front of some witnesses. Typically, there's, you know, notary Notary seal's on it, right? It's a true and accurate copy of this will, and the probate court determines that. And then from there, the process can get more cumbersome than most people think. And candidly, it can get more cumbersome based on really the size of the estate. So the larger the estate, um, the more uh, red tape, the more oversight there can be. You know, some estates, if it's a smaller estate, um, it, can, it can happen a little bit quicker, right? But there's still this red tape that has to be uh, overseen by the probate court. Uh, again, they've got to determine that the will is valid, uh, that all the requirements have been met. Typically, notice has to be published to a legal periodical. That way, creditors uh, who have claims uh, can, can make their claims if they feel like they're owed money from the decedent. Uh, taxes uh, ultimately have to get paid. Um, and, and really what the probate court, in just a big picture sense, has to do is make sure that the will is carried out in the way the decedent intended for it to be carried out, right? So they've got to supervise this in most instances. Well, look, uh, versus having a will, what, what a lot of individuals need to think long and hard about is having a revocable trust instead, okay? A revocable trust can do very similar similar things Uh, to a simple will, but the beautiful thing is it takes this process out of the probate court. So when an individual has a revocable trust, they still have a will, but it's called a pour-over will. And what ends up happening is all the assets uh, pour over into the revocable trust, and then this is managed outside of the red tape, the oversight uh, of the probate court. Okay, so in a lot of instances... Right, it's going to be less attorney fees in terms of managing and administering uh, the estate in the probate court. Which, I mean, just to give you all sort of a me- metaphor, it'd be like having a calculus teacher checking your homework. I mean, seriously, the probate court will look at this long and hard, and that's okay because they're trying to make sure things are done right. But again, it can just slow the time in which in which the assets go to the beneficiaries. And there can be more attorney fees and sort of submitting all this stuff to the probate court. And you know, sometimes probate courts, when you get into settlements and annual statements, can reject these and want things redone. So by having a revocable trust, the beautiful thing is these assets go into that revocable trust uh, with the use of a pour-over will, and then what you have is a trustee who manages is, uh, the estate uh, of the revocable trust within the terms of the revocable trust versus having a personal representative uh, do this in probate court, right so for most individuals, avoiding probate is a good thing, less fees, uh, heirs get the assets quicker, uh, less court oversight uh, just a, a much better sort of cleaner process. so for most individuals if you 're thinking about having you know simple will done. Uh, consider having a revocable trust done. Now we could really go far down the path for individuals who are, uh, who have large estates, you know, who are worth significant some um, significant amounts of money. Let's say millions of dollars. Let's say, I mean, some of these individuals need more than a revocable trust. Uh, they might need some varieties of uh, irrevocable trust, which is really a topic for another day. But for individuals with a modest amount of assets, a small amount of assets. Look, it still makes sense to have that pour-over will with the revocable trust in most instances. Now, look, anybody contemplating this, thinking about this, obviously talk to a lawyer who's competent and licensed to practice in your state. Go through this with them. You know, maybe there's intricacies and, and differences which would maybe obviate the need of a revocable trust. But for most individuals, having a revocable trust just makes sense. Uh, it simplifies this process, and it gets the assets out of probate court. Um, but there's another important key uh, for individuals who have revocable trust, which is this concept called funding the trust. Okay, so assets that are in the revocable trust – Uh, when the decedent passes, uh, those then ultimately uh, are administered through the revocable trust. But for a lot of assets, to get them in the revocable trust, what needs to happen is the the assets uh, need to be ultimately retitled, and and the the funding of the trust needs to take place. So let me just give you some specific examples. And again, any attorney uh, who's licensed and competent, to practice this area of law in your jurisdiction can go through this with any of the listeners uh, who are listening to this podcast here today, but, but certain assets that ordinarily it just makes sense to retitle of the trust might be uh, real estate, could be vehicles, uh, bank accounts, investment accounts. Uh, in terms of life insurance, uh, the revocable trust might become the beneficiary um, of the life insurance policy could be collectibles, and it could be other assets. And, again, with the liquid kind of assets like bank accounts, investment accounts, and life insurance accounts, what often happens is um, uh, uh, the revocable trust becomes the beneficiary. Um, and in some instances we call this, uh, and, again, this is going to vary by state in the particular type of asset, but, look, it's called payable on death, oftentimes uh, Attorneys and others in the financial industry use the acronym P.O.D., or it could be transfer on death, uh, which is referred to as T.O.D. So P.O.D. or T.O.D., so these assets, P.O.D. or T.O.D., into the revocable trust. And then when they're in their revocable trust, uh, these assets are part of that revocable trust. And, again, they're administered outside uh, the probate court, which is what most individuals, when they really contemplate and think about it, that's what they would want for their beneficiaries. Most individuals don't want their beneficiaries having to deal with an arduous process in the probate court when it could easily be avoided for you know, simply by having uh, the pour-over will with the revocable trust versus just having a simple will and no trust, okay? Now, you know, some individuals in here and all this say, "Well, what's the downside of having a revocable trust?" There's got to be uh a downside, there's got to be you know, some piece to it that individuals might not like. Well, look, uh, to the extent there's a downside, uh, the truth is an estate plan with a revocable trust is ordinarily going to cost more on the front end than uh, somebody who goes to a lawyer and just says, I want a simple will, right? It's going to cost some more money. And, again, the difference in the amount of money is going to vary based on the lawyer in terms of what the lawyer charges. But, you know, all things being equal... uh, Maybe it does cost a little bit more on the front end to have the revocable trust versus just a simple will, but on the back end, the reality is for most is that the beneficiaries are going to end up saving money on the back end because they're not going to have to burn a lot of uh, of the estate's value in attorney fees and, and then dealing with the probate court okay in terms of downsides, another potential downside might be this, which is look, some individuals forget after they have a revocable trust to fund it, right? So I just talked about titling these assets in the revocable trust or making the liquid assets POD or TOD into the revocable trust. A downside for some might be they get that revocable trust and they don't fund it. They just forget to do it or they don't do it. And if that happens, then then the reality is is that the revocable trust ends up being created for nothing, basically, because – Uh, It wasn't funded. So it's really important, listeners, if you have a revocable trust, talk with your lawyer about how to fund that revocable trust uh, to ensure that the point in having that revocable trust in the first place uh, actually takes place, okay? Here's another good piece I would tell you in terms of having a revocable trust that a lot of individuals ought to think about and contemplate. Look, uh, for individuals who have minor kids, you know, young kids, let's say, and, and let's say, you know, At our firm, we do lots of divorce law, custody cases as well. So let's say an individual is a single parent and and they have these assets and their kids are minors. Look, if something happens to them uh, by having a revocable trust, and most of them, it can denote the age at which the kids would get the assets outright, and, and then prior to that age, a trustee would be appointed who would then manage the assets for the kids, right? I mean, most individuals... Uh, obviously, you know, don't, if it's, we're talking significant money, when all their money, let's say, going to an 18-year-old, you know, they might want to wait until their their children are 21 or 24 or some other responsible age where the trustee can manage these assets to make sure that it's preserved. Okay, that's another big advantage of, of having a revocable trust is ensuring that, hey, single parents, uh, you don't have to worry. You appoint, you know, a friend, you appoint another family member, uh, you know, uh, uh, to, to manage uh, these assets until the children reach a responsible age. Okay, that can be a great, great point in having a revocable trust uh, versus just having a simple will. All right. Well, that's the topic today. Why have a, a revocable trust? I think I gave you uh, most of the, the attributes of a revocable trust. I gave you a couple of the potential downsides. You know, maybe some other lawyers could come up with other pros and other cons to having a revocable trust, but in my mind, uh, these are the important ones. So I hope you found this topic interesting today. As a follow-up to the episode, go on over to familylawheadquarters.com. Read the article titled, What's the Advantage of a Revocable Trust? It's dated August 26, 2023. I think a very interesting topic. And and to the the single parents out there, the the single parents who have kids, uh, I think this topic is really important in terms of why to have a revocable trust. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned to our next episode coming up on Family Law Talk. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stenge. Visit StangyLawfirm.com for more about today's topic, or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. Either the Supreme Court of Missouri or Illinois reviews or approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The information you obtained in this podcast is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. You should consult an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established. As the results afford no guarantee of future results, and every case is different and must be judged on its own merits. Kirk Stange is responsible for the content. Headquarters, Office 120, South Central Avenue, Suite 450, Clayton, Missouri, 63105. Kirk Stange is licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and
0: Kansas.